He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. As always, joining you guys here on a Monday. Well, I would say always, but like the last few weeks, it's been kind of all over the place. But as always, I am with somebody who I'm really excited to talk to, um, and especially on this subject, Jovan Buha of The Athletic. He's been covering this godforsaken Lakers team for the entirety of the season. Uh, he and I had a conversation before the year kicked off about Russell Westbrook and the trade that landed uh, Russ with the Lakers and what it might mean for the Lakers, not just this season, but moving forward. Um, and I wanted to pick back up on that conversation now that we are a week away or so from the end of the season. But I want to start here. Jovan, how, how are you holding up? Like, are you okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been a rough season. It, it's been a rough uh I, I feel like I, I've watched, uh, it's been like Groundhog's Day where I've watched the same game happen <laughs> like 60 times. <laughs> uh, it written, it tried to not write the same game story 60 times. So uh, it, it's been, it's, it's been, I don't think anyone expected, even if you're a pessimist, I don't think anyone expected the season to play out this way. So uh, it's been rough from that standpoint. But at, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's great to cover the Lakers. It's, it's great to cover the Twilight if it's even the twilight of LeBron's career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's still, you know, it's still basketball. It's, it's still fun. So, uh, overall I'm still fun. fun your but, air quotes on fun. Yeah. But <laughs> the actual basketball that's been played has, has been rough. <laughs> I like, I like how you dipped into like player giving exit interviews, uh, like <laughs> the voice right there at the end of the day, you know, still blessed to play this game, still blessed to cover this game. <laughs> <laughs> gonna work gonna work on my corner threes this off season and yeah. come back yeah come back gonna shed 15 pounds, 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um all right so basically the the gist of what you and i spoke about at the you know last time you and i spoke about russell westbrook specifically was that uh best case scenario this lifts the lakers ceiling mm -hmm. and worst case scenario the floor falls out from underneath them and they have no ability to recover if that is how this plays out was mm -hmm. kind of like the the two ends of the spectrum that we were looking at and um and you know obviously we know how it played out not just in terms of you know the the, the basketball fit and you wrote i thought a really good article um that really summarized you know anthony davis is trying to play the what if game after after the lakers lost to denver and it's like well we have some data on what it looked like when the three of you guys were available and it came out to a 43 ish win team. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I, I think that's, um, you know, the, the right way to kind of frame this is like, yeah, sure. It could have worked out. There are ways that this could have played out differently, but I think it also, I think in, if I was to go back and kind of reanalyze the situation, 
if it was going to work out, the Lakers were expecting a lot of people to do things that they haven't really shown an interest in doing at all, especially over the last five years or so, right? Russell Westbrook focusing on defense consistently. Um, LeBron, you know, uh, doing the same, you know, from from a weak side perspective. Anthony Davis wanting to commit to and really embracing playing as the center so as to give Russell Westbrook enough space. Um, and the Lakers, just in general, operating in the margin, margins in ways that they just haven't been able to, uh, basically since Rob Polinka took over. So if you were to go back and try to explain to yourself at the beginning of the season, hey, I'm going to explain why this didn't work out. How, where would you start if you were to talk to yourself on like, all right, this, is, this isn't going to work. It's going to be a disaster, and here's why. I think it starts with the rust trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that was kind of the, the big domino um, of of everything, right? And I think it, it stems from that. I think if you don't do the rust trade and you either do the buddy heel trade or just run it back with largely the same roster, I think they're better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I don't see a scenario in which they're this bad. Yeah. Uh, and and even with me, the injuries, like I, like, I think and, and, you know, I, I think I think the most damning thing w- with the rust situation was that. Uh, you know, he, a, a big part of the reason, and, and this was, you know, go back to the press conference, um, of, of, you know, him and, and Rob Palenka and Frank Vogel and, and go back to, to training camp and, and media day. And some of the stuff that was said, like a big reason why Russell Westbrook was brought in, uh, was because, you know, the, the Lakers felt that the offense the last two years was too reliant on LeBron and AD. And if one of those two guys went down, they were kind of screwed and it was sort of the, the ultimate insurance policy was like, we're going to go get a third star. And they tried for Dame Lillard. They were talking to, you know, DeMar DeRozan and uh, you know, they, they kind of had these, these contingency uh, you know, sort of talking to different stars, but ultimately they, they settled on Russell Westbrook and they are 20 and 36 in the games in which Russ plays and yeah. one or both of LeBron and 80 are out. So the Russ is going to prop us up when one of these two guys is out has not worked. It mm-hmm. has, has, has been, you know, a disaster. 20 and 36 is awful. And, and that's, you know, that, and that's that how a, they framed it too, by the way. Like that was yeah. what, that's what was sold to everybody was like, hey, LeBron is getting a little older. AD is, has played basketball for 27 out of the previous 24 months or, or 24 out of the previous 27 months or something ridiculous like that. These guys might need the occasional night off and on those nights off, or even if they play, they would like to have somebody else provide the spark plug here. Here's this guy who, who is just a walking, talking spark plug. Maybe in those nights that this can, he can, he can lift the, the, the ships around him in ways that the other guys, the other role players wouldn't have been able to, it just didn't work. And, and there's been a few games where he's been able to do that, but but even you know I look, I look like one game he like kind of did it was like the Charlotte game, but that was still a loss, right? And, and yeah. he, he had that you know monster second half, and it, it's just it hasn't like he has not been a legit third star. That there's really no way around that, and like I think a lot of his stats have been empty stats. You know that there's mm-hmm. been situations in which he's been able to kind of pad it in, in second halves or fourth quarters of of blowout games, and um. You know, he he just is a stat monster where he kind of, you know, he will accumulate rebounds and, and assists and stuff. But like 
it when you actually look at the data, it doesn't really translate to winning. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as you said, Lakers have had 21 games with their big three, quote unquote, big three, and they're 11 and 10. And, and that's a 43 win pace. Uh, but if you want to go even more into like the data, they have a minus 3.5 net rating <laughs> with those three guys on the floor, which is just like mind boggling yeah. that you, you wouldn't yeah. have at least a neutral net rating with those three guys on the floor. But um, you know, that, that is worse than the Lakers overall net rating of minus 3.1. So like they actually have been better when uh, overall throughout the, the course of the season, the Lakers have been better not having the big three on the floor than having the big three on the floor. And, and that's just, so I would say first and foremost, it is Russ. I would say beyond that. And, and this was kind of the final point I made in that article. They never figured out the right pieces to put around those three both in terms of roster construction mm-hmm. and I think in terms of Frank and his rotations and his lineups. And and they have not settled on these are, you know, the four to five guys that complement those three best and we can rotate those four to five guys in. It feels like Frank has been searching for that all season. And you've seen that with all the different starting lineups, the different rotations, night to night. Austin Reeves is starting for a month. And now he hasn't played the last two games. Yeah. And, but then I also think part of that is he was given... I think a subpar roster and you know, this to me was clearly the worst of the last, you know, of the three LeBron 80 rosters. This is clearly the worst one. And, and again, but, but then that to me stems ultimately from the rust trade because part of the rust trade, what, you know, part of the thinking was we're going to trade our depth and, and, you know, coups and KCP and ultimately giving up Alex and and not resigning him. And like, we're going to do that because we're going to bet on the three-star model. But that only works if your third star is a legit <laughs> is a third, third star, star. <laughs> and Russ has not been that. So yeah. they, they made that bet, which was wrong. And then, you know, the, the kind of downside to that is they now don't have contender quality depth. And, and really, like, how many of these guys... So we'll, we'll say the big three, but, like, beyond that, how many of these guys would play on a Phoenix, on a Golden State, on a Milwaukee, like Malik... And maybe Stanley and Austin could find some like ninth or 10th man minutes on, on some of those yeah. teams. But like really beyond like Dwight's not playing. Or, I mean, Ariza's not even on the roster. Like no. Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, those guys aren't touching the floor. Uh, DJ, like DJ Augustine. I mean, it's just you, you kind of go down the list and it's like they have so many guys that would be like the 12th man or, or worse on so many other yeah. teams and they're forced into starting or being like the seventh man in the rotation. And that is just like, you got to give, I will say you got to give them some credit for obviously Austin was the steal and getting him. I think even Avery for as, as like, I I have a lot of issues with Avery and his role and how much he's played, but like mm-hmm. he's at least he's been better than like, a, a, you know, Wayne Ellington or a Kent Bates. Like, he has provided the some underground, value, but yeah, yeah, like he, he he's 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 had a a higher floor than those guys. And, and again, I, I think he shouldn't be starting. I don't think he should be playing as minutes as, we, as he's been playing. But like, had moments where he's had value, like a, a shooter than anything. Like he's been a consistent, um, you know, three point shooter. His defense is overrated, but uh, and then Stan, you know, Stanley Wenyan, like they've had moments where where they've had you know they, they've I think they've done well around the margins, but. Really, the core of the rotation and the core of the roster, it, it just it, it's not you know it's it's not good enough, and they don't have enough. I, I think size on the perimeter, they don't have those kind of three and D wings to fill in around LeBron and AD that they had in the past, and uh, so 
you know, I, I guess I would say first and foremost, the rust situation. But then from that point, I think they did a really poor job of filling in the roster and, and have subsequently done a poor job of figuring out the roster and, and the best way to optimize it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, anytime Anthony Davis starts talking about Kendrick Nunn as if he's like Michael <laughs> Jordan <laughs> reincarnate, you know, I I think you've, you've run into some uh, roster issues with your construction. The thing that always kind of boggled my mind, even, even after the rust trade was like, okay, so you know that your two main investments on, you know, that, so you, you have LeBron and AD, those guys are going to be cornerstones of your franchise. Russell Westbrook is going to be the, the, the third guy here. Okay, fine. So like after that, and you know, you're going to keep Taylor Horton Tucker. So there's your, there's your investment on the, on the perimeter. You don't need any more combo guards beyond that. But the only, the only other non-minimum guy that they sign winds up being Kendrick Nunn. So like, even if you don't even, even if he plays this season, like even if he go, if, even if he gets out there at all, you're still looking at it like, well, is that still the best use of the assets that you have at hand, the cap management that you have at hand? Uh, and, and that's why like, when, when, when I hear about, well, if only Kendrick Nunn played, it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's another combo guard. That's not what the Lakers have needed over the course of the season. They've needed somebody who can step in and, and, you know, somebody who has some uh, height and mobility. It's Stanley Johnson has been a great story and he has been fun to watch to, to, to see him go from essentially out of the league. And then now he might potentially be on the Lakers next season. If they choose to re up on his, on his team option, that's been really cool to see. He's also like, he was also basically out of the league for a reason. Like he, he wasn't, he hadn't had a great career to this point. And the only reason why he shows out with the Lakers, cause they had literally nobody else in his kind of player mold. It was Trevor Ariza post-surgery at 36 years old and LeBron. And, and after that, like their, their wing depth was just non-existent. And Kent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really even like Kent, the, Kent is the like six, construction was like five, right? Yeah. So I mean, he's, he's got a long wings, but like, it really came down to like, we're betting on Kent Bazemore and Trevor Ariza yeah. on the prim. Like, you know, aside from obviously LeBron, but like, you know, because yeah. Wayne is a shooter. Malik is an offensive guy. I mm-hmm. think they were betting on Talon improving defensively. Uh, but I mean, to your, to your point, like wh- when you look at the roster construction, it was like the top five guys were the big three, Talon and Kendrick. And like, there's just so much overlap there with like yeah. four. Exactly. I mean, not, not even four. All five guys really need the ball to be effective. Mm-hmm. And then... Two of them are awful shooters in Russ and Talon. I mean, even AD is is, is regressed as a shooter the last couple of years. And then <laughs> AD's it's like, the worst shooter at all of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you're saying now you're saying LeBron or Kendrick Nunn is the best shooter out of your top five highest paid players, which that is an issue. So mm-hmm. uh I, I think you know, and, and just going back to like, you know, they, they I mean, I think they really miss Kuz. They they really miss yeah. KCP, they really miss Alex Crusoe. Like those three guys played such vital roles as three dudes who could shoot 37 to 40% from three, who could defend multiple positions who were plus defenders. And just thinking about the identity of what this team was the last two years that, you know, it's just such a different identity this year. And they've had their moments where they've looked really good. And, but those have been very fleeting and uh, ultimately not sustainable. Mm -hmm. the times that they've looked really good is like for those fake comebacks and then, and then yeah. it winds up being, <laughs> or, or LeBron's like, dropping 50, which right. Right. Can't rely on. 
Yeah. The other, so I, I'm, I'm kind of like, you've, you've paid attention to the Lakers now for a while. Like even when you weren't on the Lakers beat, you were with the, the, the Clippers and you, it's, it's a, and, and like you saw the identity that the Lakers won their championship with. It was, it was LeBron, AD, a bunch of shooting and smart defenders and big defenders, like size, bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else. So I'm kind of curious, like, have you, have you looked into, or do you have any theory on why such a, a drastic identity shift from a team that won a championship to a team this year? Like it, it looks nothing like, like poor Frank. Like I, I feel like of, of everybody who's, who's had to deal with the season, I feel like Frank has had the toughest job because he's like, wait, I won with this over here. Why are you giving me this? Like, what are we doing over here? So like, have you, have you, have you thought at all or tried to figure out like where that identity shift uh, started with and where it came from? I've, I've thought about it. I haven't really come up with, with great answers. I, I think it's been really surprising how much they have shifted the team. Uh, even last year, I, I felt mm -hmm. was a, a significant shift for a defending champion. Like usually you see a defending champion uh, like, you know, the, the Lakers reload with uh, Ron Artest instead of mm -hmm. Trevor Ariza. Um, or, you know, you, you, you might change like a starter or, or a key bench player. Or right. maybe even a couple. AC Green to like Robert Ory or something like that. You, you yeah. don't shift the entire, you know, like last year's team, uh, you know, completely new center rotation, new starting point guard. Um, you know, there, there was some overlap with, with Alex and, and KCP and, and Kuz, but, uh, and obviously LeBron and AD, but like really half of, you know, more than half of the rotation was, was brand new. And I thought that was already pretty unique to, to kind of go from, we, you know, I think, I think there is something to like, you know, sometimes teams stick with what worked for too long and it eventually stops working. Mm -hmm. But I, I think kind of in a similar way, like I, I almost think running it back would have been more productive last year that then, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the alternative. Although I think like last year, I think they can point to more LeBron and AD missed a bunch of games. They started the season off 21 and seven. Like they had their moments. They were up two one in the Phoenix series. Like at least last year's team at their best looked like a contender. I think it was still yeah. slightly not as maybe good as, as people kind of hope for, but like last year there were some really good moments. And I, I think it, it's been a little colored by the, the first round exit and, and AD getting injured and stuff. Like people kind of forget like last year's team was really good. Like, yeah, even with again, ultimately like the, the first round exit, but this year we just haven't seen that like th there aren't many impressive wins um mm -hmm. and and you know again a, some of it has been like unsustainable stuff where lebron has to drop 50 and go into superman mode to carry this team to to a win so i, I think as far like i think part of it, it has been the mismanaging of of assets and, and almost treating it sort of like a fantasy team uh mm -hmm. I, I do think part of it is we have seen turnover in LeBron's teams historically, but, but even this has been more this so than, than Cleveland or Miami. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's that element of like LeBron's teams tend to try to always kind of be improving and, and looking for how can we get better? But I also think you, you go back to last year and it's like, uh, you know, the Lakers offended Marcus Gasol by, you know, benching kind of, you know, bringing mm -hmm. in Andre Drummond and benching him. And then ultimately the Drummond situation didn't work out. And then he didn't want to return. And then you had the Dennis situation uh, and, and you had Wes Matthews. And, and like 
there was kind of all these players that like ultimately got like Trez offended. was like subtweeting the Lakers. And, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like last year, you know, there, I, by the end of the year, that there was some, um, you know, certainly some some kind of, you know, it, 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 players had issues with their roles, and uh, you know, part of that I think goes on the coaching staff, but but part of that is also on uh, the way the roster is constructed and and, and sort of uh, like you know, I, I think the Drummond thing ultimately did more harm than good, uh, but. I so I think, but I think look the Lakers brought back Dwight. They brought back Ron. Like I think they were kind of trying to get back to some of that stuff. Um, but Dwight is not the Dwight of two years ago, and DeAndre Jordan is no longer an NBA player. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. you know Rondo was never going to work with with Russ. And uh, you know so I, I think they also kind of I, I think there was a a lack of understanding of of what this group would ultimately become. And I, I think you know, for, for, for from the outside looking in, like I kind of thought they'd have to go small ball at some point. Cause it was like, you kind of have to play 80. Like I thought 80 should start at the five because that was the best path forward of if you're playing Russ who cannot shoot and defenses are going to ignore, you can't play another paint bound center. And yep. the Lakers have, <laughs> have fought that notion for much of the season, but you, you did see at their best, I, I think at their best, they've been 80 at the five or LeBron at the five. Like those have been their two best lineups. And, um, you know, so I think I, I wish I had a better answer for you in terms of why they went away from what worked. Uh, but I think also kind of part of that was just the Russ trade. And once you traded Russ, you weren't going to find a Kuz or a KCP or an Alex for a vet minimum. But yeah. I also think you could have done some some better gambling on longer, rangier wings than they ended up doing. Yeah, the going with Kendrick Nunn instead of like Rudy Gay is something that I, I always kind of wonder. And it's not to say that Rudy Gay has lit the world on fire. U- Utah's about to blow it up themselves. So it's a, but it's just he has played at at some points this season, and he yeah. just would have fit better with with what the Lakers needed out of out of that um, you know salary slot. Um, the other thing here is look clearly this season isn't going to work. I think. The the funny the thing that I found myself laughing at quite a bit after the Denver game was AD is out there saying, "Hey, uh, you know, if if we were healthy, we absolutely could have won a championship." And the thing that I was kind of laughing about, thinking in the background, is like if if LeBron heard that, if Rob heard that, if like a lot of people throughout the the Lakers organization heard that, they'd probably be like, "No." No, I don't think so. And so, like the Lakers, let's let's play that game. What? Yeah. Like, let's say they were. Because you can't just assume like LeBron and 80 are going to play 82 games because I, I think right. it's baked in. LeBron is is yeah. 37 and 80 is has now had multiple serious injuries throughout mm-hmm. his career. Like so, so expecting, but let's say like 68, 70 games for both of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, let's say let's say they combine miss like 25 games, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's like you know a pretty uh, optimistic projection, and. Like, what is this team's record? Because I, I would say they're battling. I think maybe they're in that like Denver, Utah range uh, of like, fi- like they're they're in the five to seven range. Maybe uh, you know, I, I I don't think I, I don't think they're on, they're obviously not on the level of Phoenix. They're not on the level of Golden State. I don't think they're on the level of Dallas. I don't think they're on the level of Memphis. And I think they're battling Denver, Utah, and Minnesota somewhere in that range. So we we would give them. You know, I don't know. So I don't know. Like, I, I just, I, I think like ultimately it's not like they're right there with Phoenix and we're talking about them as like the West favorite. I, I think like 
we're talking about them as can they pull off an upset in the first round? Like probably because they have LeBron and AD, but then like beyond that, can they go past the second round? Like probably not like that. That's, I think like the optimistic view on this team. And you're also looking at Russell Westbrook in the postseason, which hasn't been, which hasn't been great. Uh, Especially because, you know, like I started the show with the Lakers were basically, if this was going to work, Russ had to be like, he had to approach the season very differently than the way that he did. Like his, he gets a lot of attention rightfully has been spent on the turnovers and the lack of shooting and the lack of finishing at the rim and some of the free throw numbers, right. And some of those offensive struggles, but the defense to me has been just as, if not more detrimental to the team, because you just can't at no point this year, have I been comfortable with like any matchup with what he'd be trying to do out there. You want, if you, if you, if you have somebody out there who is getting paid, $47 $47 million out of your, and I don't care like about the number. This isn't like a, this isn't a rant on players being overpaid thing. You have a, you have a limited resources here and you're, if you're going to allocate a third of those resources to this player and you can't really rely on him on either side of the ball, then like, it's not going to work. It's just, it's that, that player regard. And this is a most ideal situation you could possibly probably have him in, right? Where you have LeBron and you have AD even though they dealt with their injuries, this is still like a a somewhat tailor-made situation. They try to tailor make it for Russ with as much shooting as they as they try to provide. Uh, and it still didn't work. And and you know, for me, I just I just come back to I get it, the Lakers, I think this last offseason, beyond just the the specific Russ trade. I think the issue that they ran into the most was signing people with like the idea of what they want that player to be rather than the player than that player actually that that player actually is right. Taylor Horton Tucker, they were trying to convince themselves. He's this three and D wing. He's six, four. He has a long wingspan, but he's, he he did neither three nor D this year. Um, You had, you know, you can go on down the line, Deandre Jordan. They were hoping that he could recreate some of what JaVale McGee uh, brought to the Lakers a couple of years ago he hasn't been that player in three, four years. Uh, Dwight Howard, they were hoping that he would be able to recreate what he did for the Lakers two years ago. He struggled last year um, and so on and so forth throughout this roster. They wanted Kent Bazemore to be this kind of sturdy defender who knew exactly where to be on offense and was always prepared to to catch and shoot and all these. He hasn't been that over the course of his career. He's he's always been more of a wild card. And, and I think like moving forward, if you're looking more at the macro sense here with the Lakers and what they need to learn from this last season, this last offseason moving forward, it's that like they have to be more realistic about the player that they're actually acquiring and not the player that they hope that player actually becomes. And I got, you know, from from your time being closer to the team than than clearly I have been, have you gotten a sense of like them we know that they acknowledge mistakes were made because they're leaking the, the various things that we, Oh, I did, look, that person over there was all on board on rust. Like that was, that was all clutch. That was all idea. They, that was all LeBron AD. They really wanted Russ. Um, but like beyond that though, actually identifying the, the mistakes and approach here, have you gotten the sense that the Lakers do, you, do, do, would you feel confident that the Lakers will have learned what is necessary to learn from this season moving forward? Probably not, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. And, and, I agree. You know, I, and, and I, I'm not, yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I could see it. I mean, I think that I think there there is the self awareness to, to the extent that like they they know mistakes were made. Um, I also think that there there's a level of like mistakes were like the the mistakes that that have been made are are hard to correct because I I think mm-hmm. like the Russ trade you know Russ I, I fully believe is going to be moved this off season, but that is going to require a pick being attached you know yeah. like they're they're gonna have to attach a first round yeah, it's gonna hurt and it might even be two and and you're gonna have to take long-term salary yeah and it's like so you you are not getting a great return for us but i do think there's an element of addition by subtraction because I, I think the other thing to, to kind of you know you're, you're mentioning all the issues with russ like my biggest thing and i, I know i'm slightly biased because i'm in the media but I think it's been his defiance in his press conferences and, mm. and just the lack of self awareness and accountability, accountability. That he has. And mm-hmm. it, it really started as, um, and that reportedly yeah. extended to the, the film room. Like that's yeah. not, and that's not just it, something that we see in the, in with the media. That's something that he was dealing with over the course of the season. Well, and, and I think all of the, all of the concerns that, that you and I, and, and so many, uh, you know, people covering the team and, and and Laker fans had entering the season. I think they've all played out and, and, and frankly, like played out almost in the worst case scenario where it was like, Russ is this stubborn guy who has never changed throughout his career. And now all of a sudden you're asking him to accept that he, like he clearly views himself, m- maybe not on the level of LeBron, but you know, I think if you gave him truth serum and maybe not yeah. even truth serum, like he thinks he's just as good, if not better than AD. And, and yeah. like he thinks like he is right there with LeBron as like, I'm like the star of the team, the leader that, you know, like all yeah. this stuff. And it's just, he's not that guy anymore. And yeah. he has not accepted that. And until he accepts that he's no longer an all-star, he's no longer an all NBA guy. Um, even if he puts up like semi all-star, like fringe all-star level numbers, he, and just in like counting, obviously his, his advanced yeah. med- numbers are awful. Um, like until he accepts that, and, and kind of realizes like, hey, I need to improve as a shooter. Hey, I need to be more consistent as a defender. Like, hey, I, I need to cut back on some of the poor shot selection and, and poor decisions I make. He's going to kind of be in this like weird zone of like, um, you know, kind of a former star who's like just not accepting their their limitations. Yeah. And that's fine on like an Orlando or like, you know, kind of a, a lottery team that wants to maybe be competitive. But if you have actual championship aspirations, Russell Westbrook is as currently constructed is not going to help you. He's going to be a detriment. Like I, I completely agree. really think the Lakers would be better off sending him home at this point over for these last four, you know, would have been better sending him home a couple weeks ago. But um, so I, I guess to your thing about learning, like I, I think they made a, a gross miscalculation of if you look at, so you have LeBron and AD, but then the next three highest paid guys, like all were misses. Russ was a yeah. miss. Talon has been a miss mm-hmm. and Kendrick was a miss. And again, we they've had some hits, some singles, some doubles with, with some of these vet minimum guys, you know, obviously Malik and Mello, I, I think have been definitely worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stanley and Austin have provided value. And, and even I, I think Avery in, in doses has had some value, but what when you too, but the rest of the guys have basically been misses like, uh, you know, again, Dwight, Wayne, Kent, mm-hmm. Trevor, uh, DeAndre. DeAndre earlier, Rajon. Rondo. So, 
and and that's like you you have you know eight nine veteran minimum guys like you're you're gonna have some misses but I think it's been a little bit higher than it probably should have been and then again the guys that were above that have also been misses so I'm really interested to see where they go in in, in terms of the identity shift because I think part of part of it also I I think you have to put some of this on LeBron and AD because they ultimately signed off on the Russ edition. Mm-hmm. I think again, you know, across the league, there was like kind of some shock and like, what, like most people did not think this was going to work. I don't think people thought it was yeah. going to be this much of a disaster, but there were very few people who were actually non Lakers people around the NBA who were like, Oh, like this, like, and yeah. I think there was a sense maybe in the regular season, it's, it's probably going to be fine, but like come playoff time, people kind of thought there was going to be issues and those issues reared their head throughout the season consistently. So I think kind of the plan forward is like, you're going to have to flip Russ and potentially Taylor. Uh, I think you're selling Taylor at a low point, but I, I think you, you kind of got to find a guy who, cause the, the other thing is like, I just don't think Taylor is a great fit with LeBron. No. And, and I obviously has not been a great fit with Russ either. If you somehow keep Russ for whatever reason. So like, I think you probably got to flip both those assets. You're, you're going to be selling them not at their highest points. And from there, you, you got to look to uh, maybe lean on your, your scouting department to identify, you know, some young wings from the G League that, although everyone's looking for young wings from the G League. So it, it is kind of like those guys are going to get, you know, if you're good enough to be at the NBA level as a wing, you're probably going to get yeah. called up or signed by someone. But like, Finding another Austin, another Stanley, um, you know, using your, your money wisely this offseason. But it really needs to be what get, what type of players optimize around LeBron and AD. And I, I think, as we've said, it's shooting and it's it's size and athleticism defensively. And, and yeah. finding players that, that fit one of those two and, and preferably guys that are like under 35. Yeah, uh, and predictability. You know. Like, it's yeah. just... Night by night, you just never really knew who was going to do what, you know? Like, to your point, there's a lot of guys who are, like, you know, 12th or, or, or I guess it would be, like, 10th to, to 12th guys on, on good team rotations. Well, those guys normally aren't predictable. Those are usually the X factors who, like, Malik will go off for 34 and win you a game in a, in a playoff series, but that's not something you would predict on, on any other night over the course of that series and the Lakers like their entire the back the entire back half of their rotation are those kinds of players and so yeah I, I would I would say that you know and, and it's probably going to come down to flipping Russ for some long-term money that is probably going to kind of hurt on the on the tail end of it um, but there'll be better players and better fits than Russ would be and you're probably losing a pick in the meantime which means it's going to hurt even more after LeBron era but but like at this stage you're kind of pot committed you have to try to make it work um, before we get out of here, and I know we got to get out of here pretty soon, Magic is on a media tour right now. Um, <laughs> uh, going just what, what every, stop, <laughs> <laughs> every stop he could possibly make um, at ESPN. And, and right now, apparently, he was there trying to um, initiate and make work the DeMar DeRozan connection. Um, and according to him, I guess the Lakers would have found this rare uh, CBA exception that would have allowed them to keep uh, Caruso and KCP as well as Buddy Heald and uh, acquiring DeMar DeRozan on top of that. Um, of course, like every cat person, and right now it's, it's Eric Pincus who is, who is 
doing this the most is saying that's not feasible. It would literally uh, would not have been able to uh, work under the CBA last year. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting here, though, that like this is a former president of basketball operations who appears to have no idea how the cap works. And like it, I just don't think anybody comes off looking good here, right? Like if it, magic is the one who, who is saying these things that are ill-informed, I would say, and then the Lakers probably don't look great because the person that they kind of hinged their, their future aspirations on, um, is the same guy who apparently doesn't know how the CBA works. And he's taking down the guy who took, who he accused of backstabbing while the two was working together and Rob Palenka. So like, as all of this is going down, I know how Harrison and I, like, as, as this goes down, Harrison and I just usually just laugh at it as much as we possibly can. But as Magic is going on these media tours, how do you take that in? Like, do you just, do you just find yourself laughing too? Or is this something that you look begrudgingly you acknowledge, okay, I'm going to have to talk about this? Yeah, I, I find myself, I mean, I, I laugh too. I think this isn't new, uh, like, you know, magic has i feel like has done several rounds of this over the past yep. few years where and and he'll take he'll take his shots at Polinka, but then he also you know will will occasionally uh you know like praise him after winning the title and um mm -hmm. so i i mean I, I i also know that you know magic has his uh apple show or apple documentary coming out yeah. so he, he's obviously promoting that as part of of this so um I, I take it with a grain of salt. Like, I mean, obviously it, it it's like hilarious in retrospect to see how little he knows about the cap and, and kind of how that all works. Yeah. Um, I don't think magic was brought in to uh, because of his understanding of the cap. I, I think yeah, it was more fair. of just his, his gravitas and um, you know, obviously he's been successful in business and, and kind of more, I think more big picture stuff than yeah. the nitty gritty of the salary cap. But it is funny that, um, you know, that stuff <laughs> is getting out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it does though. Like, you know, I, I think that for, for me, less, less DeRozan, but like the, the, the two kind of really realistic what ifs for, for me from this season are Alex Caruso and Buddy Heald and, yeah. and how different this season would have looked if, uh, either player or both because they could have had both. Yeah. Well, um, you know, that's a situation where they could have had both um, were on this team and, and just, and again, you know, Alex is, is smaller. I mean, both guys are smaller, so it doesn't really solve that need for a, a big wing, but buddy obviously is one of the best shooters in the league. Alex is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And, and I think both those guys could easily slot in around LeBron and AD. And then ideally that fifth guy, is is probably a bigger wing yeah. so um and you don't need you know, none I, so you can use your you can use your exception on a wing once you yeah have and, and there would have been a luxury tax you know mm -hmm. major luxury tax penalty there but you know again kind of i go back to uh and this is where you know maybe i i think a little more short term but if you are trying to maximize the lebron ad window you only have so many years this yeah. is not like a four-year plan where you're looking, I mean, and who knows, maybe it is because LeBron is just a, a, you know, a, a terminator, but realistically you're probably looking at like this year plus next year, maybe the year after, but maybe. like probably like next year being your last year of serious contention. 
So I think if, if you are, you know, uh, trying to maximize that, like you do kind of go all in and it is like, Hey, if we got to keep Alex and, and bite that extra 30 plus million in the luxury tax, like that's something you do because you're trying to win a championship and, and you only get so many cracks at that. And realistically with, with the way things are shaping up, like once LeBron leaves or retires or whatever, like the Lakers are going to be kind of in this weird, uh, zone of like, you know, and yes, it'll be nice to have picks then, but it's also like, you're not going to be contending then. And, and this, right. this, the, you know, part of, I think what makes the Lakers special is that they always have been about championships and prioritizing championships. And it is championship or bust every season, no matter how good or bad the roster is. And I think to, to me, if, if you have a shot at a championship, you go all in, especially having a guy like LeBron, who's proven he can get you to the finals. He can win championships for you. So that to me is like, why not try to maximize that and do, and I just, I don't think, I think it was a lot of half measures with, with this roster ultimately. And that yeah. I think cost them. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't make the rust trade and then all of a sudden become squeamish when it comes to luxury taxes like that, yeah. that you can't, especially when you're in the middle of, of like, you're talking about a title window that is probably over at the end of next season. Like that's just, and that's, that's what, you know, I, and then there's the basketball gods aspect of it too, which I don't know if you if you buy into that at all. But like if you're if you're sitting there and you're trying yeah. to compete, and then now all of a sudden you're saying this is the line in the sand, somewhere up there, those basketball gods are going to be like, oh, okay, so you aren't really serious then. Got it. All right, we don't have to take you that serious. Um, well, thank you very much, Yovan, for hopping on. I know this is a super busy time. I know you're looking forward to Monday, a week from today, when the Lakers season <laughs> will have finally probably we'll, been we'll over. We'll be having some exit interviews. <laughs> so we'll have we'll have those to wrap up. Uh, I, I really enjoyed your work this year, man, as always. You. Um, I, I, you know, did, we're, uh, we're, we're all trying to just squeeze the last drops out of this season and then head yeah. into the off season and, and, you know, shed those 15 pounds, add 15 pounds of muscle, all of that good stuff. Um, best of luck over the off season and I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me on and I look forward to it. All right. That was Jovan Buha of the athletic. Uh, make sure you guys check out not just his writings and stuff like that, where I think he does an excellent job, but also the stargazing pod, um, an NBA culture pod that he does season two is going to be coming up as well. So make sure to uh, keep a lookout for that. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you guys next week.